She was in a serious motor vehicle accident, received serious lifelong injuries. The accident took the life of her brother. The other driver was drunk. And while taken into custody, he was released twice, skipped bail, and they've never gotten justice. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show and Podcast is brought to you by retalk.com, the new social network. Are you frustrated with current social media platforms? Well, there's a new platform called Retalk for people just like you. The platform is run and moderated by people who believe in patriotic, family values, and certainly are on the side of law enforcement. You can talk about anything, from law enforcement issues to gardening to politics. Go to their website now at retalk.com. That's retalk.com. Calling us from North Carolina, we have Chris Story on the phone. Chris is, her story, by the way, no pun intended, is a really tough one. We have a lot of guests on the show that have gone through horrific incidents in their lives. And they talk about how it impacted their lives, what they did to rebuild their lives afterwards. And this is one of those. Chris, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate all you do. I miss Chris when we were in Washington, D.C. for the Federation for American Immigration Reform's Feet to the Fire radio row event and got referred to her uh, by someone I did interview there. I'm sorry we didn't get to meet. We're up there. Chris, there's really no easy way to put this. You were involved in a motor vehicle accident with a drunk driver. You were severely injured, and your brother, Joey, I believe his name was, was killed in the accident, wasn't he? Yes. When was. was this? Well, it happened on October 5th, 2011. We were on vacation at the Outer Banks of North Carolina. We're from Western North Carolina, and we had gone down on vacation, and that's when it happened. For those people who've never been to North Carolina, let me tell you, it's a diverse state, and geographically, the western part is very mountainous, and the Outer Banks, uh, it's like heaven. I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, spent a lot of summers down in Nags Head, that area, and I just love the Outer Banks of North Carolina. That's where we were in Kill Devil Hills, just where we were staying. That's not far from where the White Wright Brothers did their first flight, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh Uh-huh. They have a memorial there, and uh, and as you said, it it is like heaven there. Um, and I'm in the mountains, which is also like heaven. It is like over. heaven. The mountains of North Carolina. I'm gonna tell you, if I mm-hmm. could, if I wouldn't have lo- the the mega millions, my wife and I are buying a place like uh, outside of Asheville, closer to the mountains. Mm-hmm. But it's it, well right now too. It's absolutely beautiful, you know, with the the fall leaves and. Um, 
so, and I actually live in Sparta, which is a little tiny town that my brother Joey discovered. He found this little place. He had bought a little piece of land, and we would come up here camping. And my whole family's an hour and a half down the mountain from where I'm at. But I just feel like um, this place in Sparta is a little piece of heaven. And I feel like my brother Joey is right here with me. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you, do you feel a little bit of peace? I know you've been through a lot where you are in North Carolina. I do. I do. Um, I feel like a lot of people may think I'm crazy, but I live right above. It's called the Little River. That's the name of it. And when Joey got killed, um, we did go out. We had gone fishing on a headboat the day that evening's when he got killed. But we had gone fishing on the Crystal Dawn um, there in uh, at the Outer Banks. And so uh, we ended up spreading some of his ashes out in the ocean, out in the sound, actually. And the, the captain of the boat that we had been on took us out, took my family out, and they gave us the longitude and latitude of where we spread his ashes. Then we came back up here to Sparta, and we had paper mache leaves made with his ashes put in them. And so we spread his ashes in the little river as well. And um, then when I got my little cabin here where I live, I spread his ashes all around my cabin. So I said, Joe is right here with me. Um, How old was I, Joe when he was killed? <laughs> he was 51 years old. Very young man. And you were severely injured in this accident, weren't you? I was. I was critically injured and airlifted to Norfolk Centauri Hospital. Uh, you mentioned being uh, living in Norfolk. Yeah, yeah. Um, they airlifted me there, and I've had multiple surgeries. I have PTSD from the crash. Um, of course, survivor's guilt. Uh, it's not been an easy road. Um, well, I'm sorry that you went through this, and I know that rings hollow to hear, uh, and I hate saying it, but I can't think of more appropriate words. Uh, I, I want to shift your attention to there was a time before the accident, and then life was totally different after the accident. And when I say accident, I want to, I'm using air quotes. I want people to understand something. You'll find out. The person that hit them, they made a conscious choice to drink. They made a conscious decision to then drive. And then after the accident, they fled twice. So none of this is by accident. It's all on purpose. All right. It's a crash, it's a deadly crash. You and your brother and, and other members of your family were riding along. I, I read an article. You're heading out to grab something to eat, weren't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had, and and I'm glad you mentioned accident because I have not one time been able to call it that. I call it a crash because well, it wasn't an accident. No, because an accident is like when I, I get out of bed barefoot and I step on a Lego. That's an accident. Yeah. You know, you do something yeah. when you consciously decide to drink. And how long have we been hearing this? We've been hearing this my, since maybe my 20s or early 30s. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Is anybody listening never heard the message, don't drink and drive? It's been patting our heads forever and ever and ever. It's fatal. And this person decided to do just that. And ultimately, it wound up costing your brother's life. 
at a very young age of 51 and critically injured you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're driving along. What happened? Okay, we were, um, we'd spent the day fishing. We were all hungry. We were going out to eat at a place called Mama Quan's, which was one of our favorite places there. It was in Naxhead. And um, my, we were in a truck. My boyfriend was driving. Joe was the passenger. Joe's wife was behind him, and I was behind my boyfriend. It was an extended cab truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we here we were going down the highway. Um, we were on a four-lane highway. Rodriguez, his name is Luis Alberto Rodriguez. Can we oh, not I- say his name ever again? I, I, I have a policy. I don't want to give anybody okay. any publicity that's committed a criminal act. Okay. That's fine with me. Um, I, I'll call him the illegal oh. alien. Okay. That's what he is. Um, he was coming out the road that he lived on, which is a little two-lane road. Speed limit's 35. He was doing 45 in a 35. We were doing 50 in a 50. And... The way that the road comes out, there are houses there, and there's a couple pine trees, and you can't really see anything coming from that direction until you get to the intersection. But he had two big red flashing lights. Um, He couldn't have missed them. And he had gotten a ticket two months prior to this for running a red light. Mm -hmm. And if they would have deported him then, he wouldn't have been here. He's from Honduras. He wouldn't have been here. So he ran the red light. We have a video of him from a convenience store not even tapping his brakes, not touching. It doesn't show the impact, or I could not have watched it. But he didn't even attempt to put on his brakes. And he hit the red light and didn't attempt to slow down or stop. We're talking with Chris Story. Chris survived a horrendous accident. And I'm air quoting again, a horrible car crash involving a drunk driver that took the life of her brother and left her with severe critical injuries. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We have so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Return conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show. We are talking with Chris Story calling us from North Carolina. Chris was involved in a horrible accident in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And it took the life of her brother, Joey, and left her with critical, severe injuries. For winter break, Chris, you're talking about you're being on the Outer Banks, you're driving to dinner with your family, you're looking forward to it, you're having a great vacation, and you approach an intersection that's controlled by a flashing red light. And the other driver uh, didn't, video, surveillance video from the store showed that they didn't even attempt to stop. And they must have run the light, and then there was a collision. Were you aware that there was a threat of an accident at any point? No. No, I had no idea. Um, We were just uh, talking, laughing, and the next thing I know, I woke up in a hospital. Um, It was a horrible crash. Uh, And 
I was airlifted to Norfolk, and I woke up in a room by myself. And first thing, um, a nurse came in, and I said, uh, I don't remember saying this, though, but the nurse said the first thing I said is, where's Joe? I want Joe, because she, she told me, you've been in a horrible accident, and um, I said, well, where's Joe? I want Joe. I, I want to see my brother. I need Joe. And because he was more than a brother, he we grew up a very violent childhood. He was our protector, mm-hmm. our brother. He was my best friend. You know, he was all of that in one. And um, and they wouldn't ever tell me anything. And so then I, finally I said, well, where's Alicia? And she was there at the hospital with me. His and wife. who's Alicia? She's his, she was his wife at okay. the time. And uh, so... They airlifted her with me. Um, she ended up not having real bad injuries, but she was in the crash. My boyfriend, who was driving, ended up with just a cut on his big toe. Um, we've recently, we're, he's not my boyfriend anymore, but he came up. They took him to the Outer Banks Hospital, and then he came on up to Norfolk. And I don't know, it seemed like forever to me. They would not tell me anything about Joe or anything about Paul. And then finally, I said, well, I want to see Alicia then. And they wheeled me in there with her. And I probably wasn't in there 10 minutes with her. And we were like, what's going on? And about that time, a chaplain walked in. And I just assumed Joe and Paul both were dead. But Joe was the only one that died in the crash. How long of a time period was it between you gaining consciousness in, in Norfolk, Virginia, in the hospital, and the accident? Six hours. Okay. I had a massive head injury. I, come to find out, I had a neck injury. I had, I mean, I went through the back window of the truck, and it flipped three times, and the truck landed on top of me. Um, Joe died instantly. Um and it just, um, and I have to live every single day now with knowing that I lived and my brother didn't. And that's where people, I mean, it's hard to understand that survivor's guilt, but I would have traded places with him any day. Um, it sounds and, to me like you're both on the passenger side of the truck. Uh, no, it's what's weird. He was on the passenger side. I was on the driver's side okay. in the back. And what happened, the truck hit on his side, then my side, then his flipping the three times is what I've learned since then was it hit his side, then mine each time. And, um, and that's how he ended up. Dying instantly, he had a massive head injury. So you really had no idea that that the accident occurred until you woke up in the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. And I keep saying the word accident because there's not another word that really describes us correctly. So it doesn't mean I believe it is. I'll say it again. When you make a conscious decision to drink and then consciously decide to drive and then consciously decide to not stop at a red light and everything else goes along with it, there's nothing accidental about this. It's all on purpose. It all could have been prevented and all avoided if that person, A, was not here, or B, mm-hmm. just decided not to drive. End of story. Exactly. Exactly. So um, uh, there's really, 
no way of sugarcoating this. And, you know, part of me, Chris, I love these stories. I love Hallmark movies, and I love the whole Disney shows where there's, you know, life is great, and then there's horrible things that happen, and then all of a sudden, very slowly, things are great again, and life is wonderful, and they all live happily ever after, and they laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> That's not yeah. the case with your story. No. Um, and honestly, Jay, I was one of the happiest, most outgoing people you could ever meet in your life. Um, I mean, I had a great family, a great life, um, and that was all taken away in a couple seconds. My brother Joe was one of the best men you could ever meet in your life. He was a dad of three sons. He was one of the best dads you would ever meet, best brother. I mean, he was, there's seven in my family, and Joe was the middle child. And and every one of us would admit Joe was the favorite because he would go out of his way to help people or to do anything for anybody. And we were against illegal immigration before he ever got killed because he owned a small construction company. Him and a guy were partners in a small construction company, bricklaying, and he would not hire an illegal alien uh, because he said, I will not put an American out of work for me to make more money. And he would not hire Ill- illegal aliens because that's what businesses are supposed to do. They're not supposed to hire them. Right. They they make more money that way. So Joe was already affected by illegal immigration because of he got underbid all the time. He he used to make great money, and it got worse each year, and he still refused to hire one. He's like, I'm not putting an American out of work. I, I, I understand his principles. I understand all about And I also understand the economic forces of, hey, it costs less to do a job if you can pay people less, and you can't. Mm-hmm. It's not ethical to do that. I, I agree with you 100%. So here you are. And I hate this term, but stereotypical American family doing everything the right way, coming mm-hmm. from less than stellar background you talked about. It was really difficult growing up, but you're making a good life for yourselves. And a big part of your routine is to go on vacation to the Outer Banks and go fishing and do things together yeah. as a family. Well, and I'll be honest with you, Chris, a lot of people don't do that anymore. They don't take family vacations anymore. After a certain age, they don't do it. No. And that's one thing I love, you know, I loved about our family was we, you know, we did do that. And um, honestly, I've not been back on vacation to the Outer Banks since. I've made many, many, many trips down there because of the legal system and, you know, finding out stuff about the illegal alien and stuff like that. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Chris Story. Chris calling us from North Carolina. And I believe it was, was it 2011? Her brother and her and other family members were in a severe vehicle accident with a drunk driver. The drunk driver turned out to be an illegal immigrant. And there's a whole lot more to the story that you're not going to believe. Her brother was killed. She's left with serious lifelong injuries. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. 
do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. As click like and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Chris Story calling us from North Carolina on the Law Enforcement Today show. Brief overview. In 2011, she's on a family vacation. Her brother, other family members on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. A drunk driver struck their vehicle. The drunk driver survived. Her brother was killed. His name is Joe Story. And Chris received serious lifelong injuries as a result of this. How bad were your injuries? You said earlier you had a, you had a head injury, some other ones. What was the diagnosis? Yeah, um, I had a massive head injury. Um, and, um, the worst, they told me, um, the worst concussion you could have without dying. Um, they, the first officer on the scene called in two fatalities because they couldn't find a pulse in me. And he said that he has no idea how I survived this crash. Um, so, uh, I was there with good. I was at Norfolk Centauri Hospital. Then when I came home, um, I, I looked like a monster. Um, there were people at my brother's funeral that didn't even recognize me. Um, I had, I had, um, I mean, my head looked, I looked, I looked like a monster. And then I ended up eventually with, um, I had a neck injury. Ended up having to have a spinal fusion because I had a disc that was pressing into my spine. I had uh, double vision for three and a half months. I missed six months' work, six months out of my job just right off the bat. And that's not counting how much I missed after all that. Um, I mean, my, I had glass in my feet, my head, my legs. I mean, it. Until recently, I still had glass coming out of my head. Um, and one of the worst things, though, is the mental, mental impact yeah. it had. I have PTSD. Um, I've been through so much counseling. It's unreal. I even put myself in the hospital one time just because I felt like I needed help. I mean, I wake up every single day. I was furious that I lived. And my brother died because, like I said, my brother was one of the best people you'd ever meet. And he has three sons. I do have one son. And um, and just the fact that um, someone, something that eats at me also is someone did this to him. And they have no remorse whatsoever. And that's hard to live with, knowing that someone don't even care that they took someone you love that much away from you and your family. Um, my brother had a lot more things he could have done in life. and um, But my injuries, I still I still go to counseling. Um, I, I don't take any medication. I, I, but I was, I told you earlier, I was one of the happiest, most outgoing people you could meet in your life. 
And some of that comes back out of me, but I wake up every morning. Every single day I wake up is the hardest part of my day because I wake up and I think, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go through another day. (laughs) And it's hard for people to understand that concept, that way of thinking. I know it was for me. Uh, A lot of people don't understand it. It changes you. It, it does change you. And, and unless someone's gone through something horrific in their life, they don't really understand. They don't have a point of comparison. So the most they can do is have empathy. They can't have understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gone through a lot of horrible things in my life and police work. So I do have some level of understanding and uh, empathy as well. And I totally get the post-traumatic stress part. And I totally get the being angry part, especially when, and here's a term that, that people use a lot that I really don't subscribe to, justice and closure. You, as a family and as victims in this accident, and I'm air quoting again the word accident, have never gotten any kind of closure or justice on this, have you? None. None whatsoever. Um, The illegal alien, they took him to the same hospital. I don't think he was airlifted. I think he was transported by, by ambulance. But they took him to Norfolk Centara Hospital as well. He had supposedly had some injuries, um, and we were told by Kill Devil Hills Police that he had a policeman outside his door because they had charged him with um, DWI, uh, felony death by vehicle, and two-count serious injury. So we were told they had a policeman outside his door, which... After we found out later, there was no policeman there, and he got up and walked right out of the hospital and fled to Raleigh from Norfolk, Virginia. He got to Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, he was caught there. Um, Actually, someone gave him a tip, a friend of his, and so they were able to apprehend him take him, put him in jail in Manio at the Outer Banks. And so he was in jail. They ended up catching him after he fled. And so then he requested a bond reduction. His bond was $100,000. And that first judge said, no way. There's no way I will, will reduce your bond. You've already fled one time, and you are a flight risk. So, no. He you you would think it. that logically, the whole purpose of bond, by the way, it, it, we have a constitutional right to bail or bond, mm-hmm. for lack of better words. However, they take into account things like, are they a flight risk? This guy already fled. He was a fugitive mm-hmm. from justice. Secondly, he had no real ties to the community. He wasn't even here legally. He's not a citizen. Mm-hmm. He could escape and go back to his home country at any time. Am I correct? Exactly. And the judge said that as well. He said, you are illegally here. You're an illegal immigrant. You've already fled. So that's why he would not reduce it. He said, you know, like, what's he got to lose? He's illegally here already, and he already fled one time, so why would he not flee again? And I I got to interrupt you, because one of the things that's that's very common in court in the United States with American citizens, that if you have serious charges and you're given bail, one of the things they'll do is make you surrender your passport so you can't leave the country. Mm-hmm. 
It's yep. done all the time. You give up your mm-hmm. passport so the kind of secure you're not there. And with a hundred thousand dollar bail, usually it's ten percent. You pay the bail bondsman. Mm-hmm. And that's got it. And have a passport because he was here illegally. So, um, so then it was about it was about two months later. Okay, the first bond reduction, he had a public defender uh, because at the time of his arrest, his net worth was zero dollars, supposedly. So he had a, a public defender. The next, he requested another bond reduction two months later. He had hired his own private attorney, and they brought in a judge from a different district who is married to an immigration attorney who helps illegal aliens stay in this country. So I said right off the bat, this is a conflict of interest. And they're like, no, it's not. So this judge, um, he ended up lowering, he, he lowered the bond from 100000 to 50000 And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to flee. I begged for an ankle monitor. They flat out said no, no ankle monitor. Um, And so when it was all said and done, I went up to the attorney that this illegal alien had, and I said, "Uh, thank you for helping the man that killed my brother walk free. He's going to flee. You know he is. And he said, you're welcome. And... I just, it floored me that unfortunately, that judge reduced the bond. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Chris Story. Her brother was killed in a, a horrific accident. She was severely injured. The drunk driver that hit them was here illegally. I don't care what terminology you want to use, illegal immigrant, illegal alien, migrant, undocumented, whatever it is, he wasn't supposed to be here. He fled once. He was arrested given a $100,000 bond, they reduced the bond, refused to put an ankle monitor on, and we'll find out the rest of the story in return. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. I promise you, we'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to listen to a favorite Law Enforcement Today episode again or chat directly with John J. Wiley? Now you can. Download Podopolo for free on either app store and send John J. Wiley a DM right on the app. That's P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O, Podopolo. Back to our conversation with Chris Story on a Law Enforcement Today show, a heartbreaking story out of North Carolina, the Outer Banks. She was severely, critically injured in a vehicle accident driven by a drunk driver, an illegal immigrant, it's claiming the life of her brother, Joe. We wanted to break. Chris, you're talking about the driver fled the hospital. He was picked up in North, Raleigh, North Carolina, brought back to court, given a $100,000 bond, was eventually reduced to $50,000 bond against your objections and everything else. And you even pleaded to put ankle monitors on him. They didn't. What wound up happening? Um, he, of course, fled again. He showed up for the first hearing because he knew it would be continued and I did get to speak to him and I I told him I was trying to tell him what kind of man he took from my family and he looked at me after acting like he couldn't speak English he looked at me and said talk to my attorney and no remorse no I wish this would have never happened so that just I mean he had no remorse has no remorse 
And then the next hearing, he was supposed to be at April 23rd, 2012. He did not show up. He had fled. Has he been found since? No. No. He fled to Tennessee, and we did track him there. And then there was a lot of dirty, crooked stuff that went on with the bondsman, which I can't, I won't even go into yeah, because it's don't. so much. And so he, he left Tennessee, and we really believe he's still either in North Carolina or Tennessee. I mean, he's, he's, I, I, I don't think he's afraid. I don't think he went back to. What kind of time was he looking at in North Carolina for this? Uh, they told me probably two to three years at the very most. Which really is not a lot for taking a life. That's a slap in the face to me. Well, it appears to me, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, the, the entire process has been a slap in the face to you and your family. Yes. And one thing people need to understand, it's called the criminal justice system for a reason. It's all about justice for the criminal. The victims, their family members really don't play into the picture. Mm -mm. They've treated me like the criminal from day one. They have taught, not that the policemen were, were a whole different story. They were great. The DA's office, they were, they were terrible. It's almost like they helped him get away. Like they, they didn't even want to deal with him or I don't know what, but, um, they treated my family more like the criminals than. And here's, here's the thing. North Carolina has a reputation of being a, a rather conservative state. I'm not getting into partisan politics here, but a rather conservative state. However, the Outer Banks is a different story. That's a real hodgepodge of people from all over the United States, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Tourist. It's a big tourist area. Lots of money there. Area. Oh, yeah. Lots of special interest there. And it, mm-hmm. it probably would have been a totally different situation if this accident had happened around Sparta. Oh, I thought he would have been, uh, he would have been arrested and tried and been in jail. He would have gone to jail. I truly feel like he would have. He wouldn't have been able to run. He's been a fugitive of justice basically since then. And I know the state has gone through some extra efforts to try to locate this guy. What are some of the things they've done? Um, They've put him on their top 10 most wanted list. Um, He was charged with negligent homicide and vehicular manslaughter. I don't know if he's... I'm not sure how they knew, but come to find out, he hyphenated his name and added another last name. And how they knew that, I don't know. But they put him on billboards in Asheville, put him on the top 10 most wanted list where they were actively looking for him. And then uh, back in June, I mean, not to get into politics, but back in June, Biden took him and five others off of the top ten most wanted and said that the crimes they committed did not warrant them being on a wanted list. And, and here's what, and I'm sure you've felt this. I've heard it from other people. They're told, you're just one person. You really don't matter. Yeah. Oh, that's the way I feel. I feel like my brother's life meant absolutely nothing to them whatsoever, which you know, my brother is not J. 
just a number. He, my brother, was, like I said, one of the best people you could ever meet in this world. And he made a difference when he was here. And he made a difference in so many lives. And the the fact that Biden took him, said that didn't warrant him being on a wanted list. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he killed somebody. He created I am no longer able to do a job I did for 23 years because of this crash. Um, he devastated my whole family. My family dynamics has totally changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, um, and, and it, and I'm not the only story out there, as you know, there's thousands of people like me. There are. In and it never ends. I, I, I no. want to shift gears and, you talked about you haven't been able to do the work you used to do before. What are you doing now? Uh, how would you describe your life today? Oh, it, 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 to me, it sucks. Um, I had I worked hard to get a job that I make good money at, that I absolutely loved. I've always been a hard worker. Um, I was raised that way by my mom. We had to work hard and absolutely loved what I did for a living. And after the spinal fusion I had and two elbow surgeries, um, I could not physically do that job anymore. And I got put out on disability. So I went, I went back to work because it, it drove me crazy. I couldn't stand being on disability. So I went back to work, ended up working five months, having to have another surgery and being put back out of work. So, I mean, it, you know, and with PTSD, you don't want to be idle. Uh, you have to stay busy. You have to try to keep your mind focused on something. And so I tried to walk away from some of the groups I'm with, like um, I'm with AVAC now, and I thought, well, I'm, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard on me. It's too hard reliving this every single day but then something i found out jay is you really you relive it every single day no matter what so i got right back in the fight to try to stop to try to keep other families from going through what my family and thousands of other families go through every single day and it was it was going our way there for a while. Things we think we were making progress, and now we have. I mean, it's going to make us fight even harder now, though, because when Biden got elected, I was like, "Oh my God!" When he opened our border back wide open, I thought, "What are we going to do now? What are we going to do?" And I was ready to give up again, but but I can't. It just made me want to fight even more. And something tells um, me you're quite a fighter. Oh, I am. I, <laughs> and and me I mean that as a compliment. Like my mom. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mean that as an insult at all. It's it's very much a compliment. I'm familiar with a little bit with AVX and what they do. Tell people about AVX. AVX is a group. It's advocates for victims of illegal alien crime. And um, they have a website, aviac.us, A-V-I-A-C dot U-S. And we go to events. Um, we just went to one in D.C. recently, hold their feet to the fire. We try to bring attention to exactly 
to the truth about what illegal immigration does to, and I'm not saying, I mean, I, not, okay, legal immigrants, that's different. Yeah, you don't but need you to explain. Have, I understand okay. totally. No one, no yeah. one here has a problem with immigration. My grandparents immigrated from Ireland, for goodness sakes. It's yeah. about, and not everybody that's an illegal immigrant is a horrible person. I don't want people no, to think that exactly. either. But there's a significant yeah. portion of this population that comes in that are criminals. And they do oh, horrible yeah. things. Are, are you on social media? I am. Um, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook. Uh, just Chris Story. C-H-R-I-S and then S-T-O-R-I-E. Chris, I want to thank you so very much for coming on the show, for telling your story. I know it's a difficult story to tell. It's even more difficult to go through. And please be sure to pass a word to other families that they have a platform here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And everything you do, because other uh, our story doesn't get out enough. So I want to thank you for getting our stories out there. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.